I want to shift gears a little bit. I know we had been in uh, in First Corinthians, but I want to take a uh, this weekend, uh, really, because of what this means as we kind of come up to, to Christmas and spend um, really this this weekend jumping in out of Luke chapter two. And so, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter two. That's it's where we're going to be. Um, but before we get there, um, I, I just I, I want to recognize that. Um, it does feel and get a little bit crazy this time of year. Can we all agree with that? Um, for, for whatever reason, it just sort of, I feel like we, we, we get through um, sort of the fall, and Thanksgiving is coming, and, and then all of a sudden Thanksgiving hits, and right after that, it, it feels a little bit, at least for me, like somebody hits the fast-forward button on the, on the VCR. Um, you know, and, and just this, the, the month of December seems to speed by, and I, I love this time of year. I love uh, what this time of year brings, all, all the stuff. And I, I jokingly asked the kids, you know, what is your, your favorite Christmas movie? But there's so many other things that come with this time of year, right? Uh, Christmas movies are, are amazing. They're great. I love Christmas movies. Um, we had one, you know, Die Hard fan here, right? It's a great Christmas movie. Um, I, I think about uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I, I think about... Elf. I think about uh, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, Miracle on 34th Street. I think about just some of the, the what we consider more classics like Rudolph and some of those movies. I just, I just love Christmas movies, and we, we do our best every year. We try to get through as many as we can and watch them. Um, we have a tradition in our house really all year, which is uh, we do Friday night family uh, pizza and movie night, and the hard part with that is you kind of run out of movies pretty quickly. Uh, luckily, our kids are getting to the age where we have, you know, the, 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 the spectrum of movies that we can watch is now is a little bit larger than what it used to be. I mean, at some point, you're like, okay, I don't know how many more times I can watch, you know, this Disney movie again, right? I mean, it's like, oh, my gosh. It's just, I, it, I, when you start being able as a parent to repeat the movies, um, it's, you're going, this is too much, right? It's just too much. And, and this time of year is fun because it sort of opens up even though we've seen them, we try to hold off and not watch any of the Christmas movies until this time of year. And we get through them. We watch all these different Christmas movies. Um, I, I love Christmas music. I don't know about you, but I absolutely love listening to Christmas music. Especially um, as, as fun as some of the silly stuff is. You know, like the other day I was driving and the song Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer came on. And my Clara's in the back and she's laughing like she didn't quite understand. And she's trying to figure it out. And I'm kind of like, I don't really know how to explain the song to her. It's just a goofy song. Um, and those are fun, but I, I love uh, Christmas music that is really worshipful. It's, it's the music that actually is giving glory and honor and celebrating what this time of year is all about. I love that kind of music. I love all the, the decorations. I love Christmas decor. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I love it. I think it's great. Um, I'm the one in our house that's like, let's put Christmas decorations up before Thanksgiving. My wife is like, no, we have to celebrate Thanksgiving. Like, we need to do that. And I'm like, well, we can still do that and give thanks for Jesus, right? Like, we can do that. Like, I think it works. But I just, I love setting up early. I like having it up. I, I feel like it's a lot of work, right, Steve? And so because it's a lot of work, I'm like, well, let's set it up earlier so we can actually enjoy it longer. And I, and I enjoy that stuff. I like the trees. I like, I like the garland, the wreaths. I like um, the, the, the homemade stuff. I, I like, I like the, the traditions that you, when, you, when you open 
the storage box and you bring out the certain, you know, whatever item it is, some sort of ornament that, that, that it immediately sort of thrusts you into the moment and it reminds you of something or somebody, right? You look at those. We have a tradition in our house that every year we buy an ornament and we, we label that ornament. And we've been doing this ever since we've been married. And we, we just, we pull these ornaments out and we have to pause and we look at them and we think about it and kind of where we were at and what was going on in life in that year, sort of in that season. It's just something I absolutely love to be a part of. I like the family traditions that, that we have. I like the family traditions that I hear from you guys that you have. Like one of them that we have is, is uh, and this is a pretty common one, but we like to go and get hot chocolate. We like to pile into the car. Our kids wear their uh, pajamas, and we drive around, and we like to look at Christmas lights. We love doing that. We love looking at all the Christmas lights. In fact, we did that last night, and I was creepily uh, drove down Steve and Debbie Hazen's driveway, and I turned my lights off in my truck because I was a little nervous what Steve might do if he saw me, and so I turned off the, and we drove down, and we saw all the Christmas lights, and I love, by the way, it's amazing. If you haven't seen their house, it's incredible. They have this beautiful nativity out there that's all lit up, and I just, man, it's, it's amazing. And we got to drive around, and we drove through uh, Sky Park, and one of the houses in Sky Park had, they, they didn't have really hardly any decorations, but they had this one uh, decoration that was inside their house. It was in the window, sort of uh, above the entry in the vaulted ceiling area, and it was on the ledge, and it was just Mary and Joseph holding baby Jesus, and it was lit up. And it was just a really cool reminder of what this season is about. I love seeing my kids and my beautiful wife. They, they always take at least one or two times, and they go into the kitchen. They spend pretty much all day, and they're just baking and making all the Christmas good stuff, you know, and just cooking. And, and I, I just love the smells, and I love to be able to, you know, taste the frosting and eat the cookies and do all the stuff and, you know, gain a lot of weight. And it's, a, it's a, amazing. I love that stuff. I love having Christmas Eve service. I love being able to gather and come together as a corporate body and celebrate what this time of year really does mean. I I just enjoy that. I enjoy reading Luke chapter 2. I enjoy reading the the, the prophecies in the Old Testament about the coming Messiah. I I enjoy reading the actual story of Luke chapter 2 of Jesus arriving on the scene and what was happening and what was going on. I love all of it. I, I, I love Christmas morning. I love seeing my kids as they uh, wake up with such expectation and, and, and ready for, for what the morning is going to bring and, and what, what gifts they're going to get. And they come running down the stairs and they're so excited. And I don't know about you, but I, I remember that as a kid. Like I remember those moments. My parents didn't have much money, but they did everything they could to make that time and those moments special for us. And even though we didn't have a lot of money, I still remember that. And I think, man, what, a, what an amazing time. Christmas morning was. There's so much tradition and fun, and I love all of them. I really do. But in the middle of all of it, my prayer for us as a church is that we remain grounded on what really matters and what this time is all about. Why we really celebrate this time of year. This intentional time of of really waiting and reflecting on the birth of Jesus Christ and looking forward to his return. For believers, of course, for centuries, we've called this time sort of leading up to Christmas, we've called it Advent. Advent just simply means, it's the, it just means arrival. And it really is 
sort of this time where we step back and we reflect on Jesus coming to this earth and we are expectant on the return of Jesus once again. And for believers all around the world, for these, you know, five weeks or so, we get to look back and we get to celebrate corporately on what Jesus actually has brought to us today. What he brings to every single one of us. He, he brings those things of hope, of love, of joy, and of peace. Right? And we know this as we celebrate the Advent season. I know many of you, I've, I've talked to you about this, you actually spend uh, quite some time celebrating each and every week. My wife and I have been going through a devotional for the last few weeks. Uh, the Advent devotional, we're really celebrating what this time really means as, as we think about Christ coming to this earth. And so I think about hope, and we, we were reminded of Isaiah chapter 9, where it says this. It says, for a child will, we, will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. I think about this idea of love, and I always am reminded of Philippians chapter 2, where it says, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. And then I think about this, this, uh, this concept of joy. And I think about John 15, 11, and it says this. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. I don't know about you, but I bump into people, and some of uh, those are in this room, that you just, you just have joy. And that joy is given from Jesus. It is it's through his Holy Spirit. It's just obvious. Like, it's just the fullness of that joy comes from him. And then I think about peace. Think about John 16, 33. It says, have I told you these things so that in me you may have peace? You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous, for I've conquered the world. These are the things what we celebrate here next week, right? We celebrate hope and love and joy and peace. And so today, I want to take just a few moments. I'm going to read out of Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read the first 19 verses. And then I want to hit just on a few things that we can take home with us today. And then we're going to, um, as the worship team will come back up, they're going to play one last song. And I want to give you guys a chance to, to take communion. So if you have your Bibles, um, Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 1. I'm going to go ahead and read this. It says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. 
And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, with a, with, there was an angel, there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now, at the time that Jesus shows up on planet Earth, before that, when Jesus shows up, as Jesus lived, as Jesus then was crucified, rose from the dead, ascended back to heaven, and then years later, when Luke is pinning this, Rome is in power. Rome is in control. And in fact, in this time, the entire world really looked to Rome, looked to the Roman government. For peace. Not only did people look to Rome for peace, but they looked to Rome for the very things that we today celebrate during sort of this Advent time. You see, they looked for the things in the government of Rome and believed that Rome would provide the things that we celebrate during this time. They believed that Rome would provide it through entertainment, through the culture through governing officials, through the materialism. They thought that Rome was going to provide them hope. They thought Rome would provide joy. They thought Rome was going to provide love. They thought Rome was going to provide peace. That's what people look to. They look to Rome for all of those things. Rome was the superpower. Rome was in control. In fact, there was a very common phrase used at this time, and you've probably heard of it, it's called Pax Romana. In fact, if you have one of the fancier Bibles that have a commentary in it, like a, like a study Bible, as you get to about verse 14, you might see uh, in the notes there this phrase called Pax Romana. Pax Romana was um, a phrase that was used, and it was used and meant the universal peace and sovereignty of the Roman Empire. That's what Pax Romana meant. Universal peace and sovereignty of the Roman Empire. This is what people were looking for. They were looking for peace. And they believed that the Roman Empire was going to provide it. That Pax Romana was going to come from the Roman Empire. And people were looking for it in every area in which Rome was to provide it. They were looking for it within the governing officials... 
They were looking for it in the entertainment sector. They were looking for it in the culture. They were looking for it in the arts. People were looking for this idea of Pax Romana. They were looking for hope. They were looking for joy. They were looking for love. They were looking for peace. The problem, as you know, as I know, is that the Roman government would always come up short and never provide hope, love, joy, and peace. The very thing that people were trying to find, the thing that people were searching for, this Pax Romana, the things that they hoped would happen, the government was not providing. It wasn't working. There were still wars. There were still division. There was no peace at all. In fact, the very opposite was happening. As you know, when Jesus arrives on the scene, it's in turmoil. It's chaos. The guy in charge, right, Herod the Great, wasn't so great at all. He was awful. In fact, he named himself Herod the Great. Listen, if anybody ever says, call me whatever the great, you just go, all right, we'll chalk this up. This person's terrible, right? It's awful. But yet people were still looking to Rome. They were looking to the king, believing that they would provide this Pax Romana. And what I find ironic is over 2,000 years later, not much has really changed. People haven't changed too much, right? We still do the same thing. I still do the same thing. Still looking to the government and to other things for peace in my life, for hope in my life, for joy in my life. Come on, anybody else? Looking to other things for the fulfillment that only Christ can bring. The problem with this, as we know, is there's not peace amongst our government. There's not even peace amongst our governing officials, right? I mean, just turn on the news. They're constantly bickering and fighting and arguing. Not only is there not peace amongst our governing officials, there's not peace amongst the governing officials of the world. And yet we continue to look to government, we continue to look to culture, we continue to look for entertainment. We look to all these other things, hoping that they're going to bring the very thing that we can only find in Jesus Christ. And the reality is, the thing that we're looking to, that the government, all this stuff, will constantly fail us over and over and over again. Come on, church, we know this. They don't give us hope, and they don't give us peace, and they don't give us joy. But we continue to search for it in all the wrong areas. That's why I find verse 14 so fascinating to me. It's so interesting. I don't know if you caught it, but verse 14, if you have it, I would like underline it or highlight it in your Bible. It's a fascinating little moment that happens here. There was another popular phrase, which was, glory to Rome. Glory to Rome. Citizens would pledge allegiance. They, 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 would, they, would, they would praise by saying, glory to Rome. All honor, all glory goes to Rome. So the idea was that Rome would receive all glory and that the people would receive Pax Romana. They would receive peace, and they would receive hope, and they would receive joy, and they would receive love. But it wasn't working. And verse 14 is so fascinating because it absolutely flies in the face of the very thing that Rome claimed. Because verse 14 says what? Glory goes to who? Glory goes to God. 
So immediately, the angels show up on the scene. They say, glory goes to God. It doesn't go to culture. It doesn't go to government. It doesn't go to entertainment. It doesn't go to all the things that we're seeking for. It doesn't go to your job. It doesn't go to your 401k. It doesn't go to your house. It doesn't go to any of that. All glory goes to who? It goes to God. And not only does glory go to God, but peace comes from him as well. Because who is Jesus? He is the prince of what? He's the prince of peace. What a fascinating moment in history that we find right here. For decades, glory goes to Rome, and Rome's going to provide you some things. But yet there's this vicious cycle. What if people figured out? What if we figured out? It doesn't work. That's not where our fulfillment comes from. Because glory only goes to what? It only goes to God. And Mary understands this. She gets it. I, I, I love what, what happens here. Think about this for a moment. We, we like to make this story out. I mean, I'm guilty of this too. We like to make this, uh, this sort of the Christmas story here. We like to make it really cute and cuddly, right? I mean, come on, we all do this. It's, it's, a, it's a cute story. We go, oh, that's so sweet. Here's this sweet girl, and, you know, they're, they're, they're now, you know, they're married. Oh, it's so nice. They're coming in together, riding on a donkey and the whole thing. I'm like, she is so, she's like beyond pregnant. She's at the point of pregnancy where it's no longer cute. It's like, I want this baby out. Right, moms? You've all been there. There's a, there's a season of, it's like, it's wonderful, and then there's a season where you're like, I'm done. I'm done being pregnant. Let's move on. And that's where she's at. And she's traveling on the back of some donkey for miles and miles on miles. She's dirty and hungry and tired and exhausted. And she gets to the, the place, and there's no place for her to go and stay. And she can't, they can't find a spot. And Joseph is stressed out because he's so worried. And he's trying to figure this whole thing out. And he doesn't know what to do. I mean, this, is, this situation is beyond stressful and tiring and exhausting. I can't even imagine what they were going through. And listen to what she says in what is said about her in verse 19. It says, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Some versions say that Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. Well, what's she meditating on? She's meditating on what she was told. What, what, what they brought, the shepherds, what they told her. That's what she's med meditating on. You see, Mary understood and realized that glory goes to God and peace only comes from him. That hope, joy, love, all that comes from him. And so she meditates on that. She took time to realize that the very thing that she had been searching for and seeking was in her arms. And she took time to meditate on that, to ponder on that. That in that moment, that the wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace, the giver of hope and joy and love and peace, all of that was right there before her. The very thing that she had been longing for was now here. That's exciting. That's good news. And at least for me this week, I just needed to be reminded of that that nothing is due in this world glory except for God. Not one thing. 
Because there is nothing in this on this planet Earth that is deserving of glory except for God. And, and please hear me on this. I, I, I'm not saying that everybody and all things are just completely evil and terrible and awful. That's not what I'm saying. But we have to keep things in the right perspective. And we can't elevate things and we can't give things glory above the only one that deserves ultimate glory and honor. And that is God himself. That all glory goes to God. Come on, I'm so guilty of this that I, I keep looking in all the wrong places, all the wrong spots, trying to find my hope. I'm trying to find my joy. I'm trying to find my love. I'm trying to find peace. I'm going, man, maybe it's over here. Maybe it's over there. Maybe it's out there. Maybe it's over here. And it's not. It is right here with us in his word that glory goes to God and God alone. And I think Mary had it right. I think Mary got it right when it says that we need to meditate. We need to ponder on the source and the provider of the very things that our hearts long for. That he is our ultimate source of peace. Why? Because he's the prince of peace. Listen, I, I think as I'm getting older, <laughs> to be honest with you guys, as I'm getting older, I'm just getting softer. I just am. I, you know, there was a time in my life where I just, I, you know, I just thought I was a pretty tough guy and the whole thing. And as I'm getting older, I'm like, I'm just not. Um, I'm just getting softer. And, and I think as you get older, you, you, you do a lot more reflecting. Um, I had, a, uh, I had a, a mentor friend of mine who told me at one point, he goes, J.B., whenever you're doing stuff or you're reflecting, he goes, always imagine yourself at like 85 years old, talking to yourself at your age right now, sitting in a couple of rocking chairs out on a wraparound porch with a great view. Um, I don't know why, but wraparound porches just always bring a little bit of peace to my life, right? And he just goes, imagine that and just talk to yourself. Like, like give yourself, what, what, what would your 80-some-year-old self, what advice would you give? And I'm like, well, it's probably a lot different than maybe what, you know, the advice I would give myself now, the younger version. And I think the more I do that, the, hopefully the, just the more I realize some things. But as I'm getting older, I just sort of reflect, and I, I reflect on my life, and I reflect on decisions and things I've done and things I wish I would have done differently and all those different things, probably like you. You go, man, I wish I would have made that choice differently. I wish I would have said that when I, when I should have, and I, I wish I wouldn't have said that in, in that moment. Um, I, I wish I would have gone here and done this, and, and just all the things, right? You just start to reflect, and you just realize. And I think the older I get and the softer I become and the more that, that God sort of just keeps um, pruning the vines in my life and cutting things away and, and just taking care of some stuff, the more I begin to realize that I need to focus on truly what is important, especially this time of year. Listen, I, I really hope that this time of year for you, I hope you do all the goofy Christmas traditions. I really do. Um, I hope you eat too much food, because that's just incredible. I mean, there's nothing better than eating a lot of food. It's, it's fun. It's good. I hope you sing all the goofy songs, even the one I mentioned earlier. I hope you sing those, and you have fun, and you laugh, and you have a good time. I hope you watch all the silly, goofy movies and enjoy that time. I hope you spend a whole bunch of time 
laughing and being with family members and just enjoying it. I hope whatever traditions you have and whatever things you enjoy, whatever makes you smile, I hope you get to do all of them, um, not just once, but multiple times. And I hope you get to really sit in those and rest and really, really enjoy them. I hope you love them. I hope you, you have them. And I really pray for that for you. But what I want more than that, more than anything else for you this Christmas, is I want you to be able to truly ponder and meditate on the Prince of Peace. I want that for your life. I want that for my life. I want, I want to be able to sit back and, and take a moment and say, man, what is this really about in this time? Because, man, I, I get pulled in all kinds of different directions, probably like you, and I just need to be reminded of what this season truly is about. Listen, that a long time ago, there was a, a baby boy by the name of Jesus who showed up on this earth. He was born in a, in a manger. He, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. He grew up to be 33 years old. He willingly went to a cross. He died on that cross for you and for me. He died on that cross because he absolutely loves you. And he loves me. So we need to be reminded of. It's what happened. Listen, church. As I was in my office this week, I just had these moments where I felt like there were so many things to talk about. And I, I don't know why, but I just I kept coming back to this moment and this story. And I kept just thinking about the goodness of God in my life. Through all the ups and downs, all the trials, all the stuff, man, God is still good. Glory still goes to God. Glory still goes to God. Even in the difficult seasons where, man, I don't want to give glory, I don't feel like giving glory, it's hard to give glory. I was just reminded this week that glory goes to God. And this baby that came to earth, man, this wasn't your average baby. You want to see average babies? You go down here to Dominican Hospital and walk around for a while. Average babies. They're great. They're, they're super cute. Average babies. This was no average baby. The Bible tells us that this was Emmanuel. God with us. God showed up here to be with us. As one of my pastor friends says, it's God with skin on. It's pretty cool. It's pretty amazing to be reminded of that. And so I was, uh, I was reading this week, and I just want to read. I don't have the, uh, the verses on the screen, but if you want to turn with me. I, I was reminded of this moment in Luke uh, chapter 4. So you got Luke chapter 2, and then not soon after that, you know, Jesus, he's, you know, we, he's growing up. And then he goes out, he's, he's, he's tempted, and then he's going to start his ministry, okay? And there's this really cool moment in Luke chapter 4. And so I'm going to read this, and I just wanted to encourage you, and then I'm going to pray. And then as the worship team plays, I'm going to let you guys come up just on your own, and you, you can partake communion however you'd like. So let me read this to you and, and give you a little bit of background of what's going on. Jesus is now um, beginning, he's getting ready to start his ministry, at this point, okay? 
And he's doing what he's normally done. Jesus goes to church. He's, he's, he's going to, to the temple. And he, he goes on Sabbath, and he shows up in there. Now, this is really fascinating. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I'm just I'm speculating here. But according to Jewish tradition, they would read certain scrolls. They, they had sort of a calendar of scrolls of how, what they would read, when they would read it, the whole thing. And so it just so happens that this day that Jesus is showing up in the temple, well, lo and behold, think about the scroll that Jesus is about to open up. And I love that Jesus opens it and he reads from the scroll as if he needs to read from the scroll, right? Right? He doesn't need to read from the scroll, but he's going to read from the scroll. And it's not coincidence. We know it's not. God works all things, right? But just imagine this moment of what's happening. It says this, and I'll start in, um, in verse uh, 16. It says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And, he, and as is, was his custom, went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. And Jesus is about to declare why he's here. He's now going to read out loud. He's going to say, this is why my Father has sent me. This is what I'm here to do. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Right? We know that when he was baptized, he was anointed in that moment. It says what? It says to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And I love this. And it says, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. There had to be a level of authority in that room and the, the Spirit of God in that place. That after he read that, everyone's looking at him like something's different. We, we've heard this read many times before. We've heard the scripture read many times before. We've heard scrolls opened and read, but we've never heard it like this. It says that the eyes were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The king is arrived. The prince of peace is here. All glory goes to God. Imagine the scene. Imagine it. Church, my prayer is that the rest of this week, as we come to Christmas, that we can pause for a moment and know that glory goes to God and all that we're searching for, hope, love, joy, and peace, only comes from Him. Amen? Amen. Church, will you stand? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the birth of your son, Jesus. We thank you that in our brokenness, God, in the moments that we were living our, our worst 
parts of our life, God, that you still sent your son to rescue us. I'm undeserving. And I'm so thankful, though, that you still sent your son. Father, I pray as we just take a moment here today to reflect on you as we partake in communion. God, let us be reminded of your goodness, of your faithfulness. Let us be reminded of that moment that we read about in Luke chapter 2, that you came to this earth to rescue. You came to this earth as Emmanuel, that you were God with us. And that you spent 33 years on this planet and you willingly went to that cross and because of the blood that was shed on that cross that day, God, we have been set free. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God in the highest. We praise your name today. Hallelujah. If you're in the room today and you have never made a decision to have Jesus as your Savior, can I just tell you that, number one, it's the best decision that you'll ever make. Number two, that he loves you. And number three, that he came to the cross willingly for you, even when you were at your worst. And today, if you want to make that decision for him, you can do that by simply confessing and saying, Jesus, forgive me of my sin, be Lord of my life, and I'm going to serve you for the rest of my days. To the best of my ability, if you say that, then you will be saved.